still looking. We got all the all the regular stuff. We do. And the house looks warm and sunsetty. You know, kind of sunsetty, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. There's no sun actually <laughs> shining in. Which is nice. At this time, which is excellent. And, uh, you know, everything is, everything is lovely. Everything is basic, but excellent. You know? And here's a Kleenex in case you need one. I'm sure I will. Really? <laughs> You're sure you will? I'm sure I will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, besides that, it's 8.31 a.m. Saturday, August the 5th, 2023. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Bloink. Bloink, Diane, bloink. In the uh, in the candlelit uh, aura of, well, I didn't think that top one was lit. And now no, it's... it it always just takes a little while. It does. It, huh? it, it's kind of. It's oh, nice. Well, I looked over there a minute ago. I thought it had gone out. No. Nope. Yeah. It... But no, but no, Diane. It does that every time. It was it's kindling. Sort of like it takes a little bit of um papa. Takes, and it well, it's takes its own sweet time. Is what it does. It's saying, hey, you guys, you guys, uh, you know, slow and steady. Wins the race. You know what I'm saying? It's been a uh, play. What has it been, Diane? It's been a contemplative. Um, um, I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. Illuminating. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm Kind of oblique week here in Lake Abundance. Oblique. Oblique. <laughs> I would say for me, it's been somewhat of a transcendent week because this was the week that I had my cancer surgery, Uh my breast cancer surgery. Uh And uh, (laughs) oddly, I had been looking forward to this for a long time. because of course you just want to have the cancer excised. You don't want to sit around for months thinking that the cancer is growing and, and affecting more parts of your body in any way. So, mm-hmm. um, but I also had quite a bit of trepidation because the procedures that were going to be involved were um, were both bizarre and uh, invasive invasive and unimaginable in some ways and so it's kind of funny every time you have something you're reading about it and you're thinking okay okay i kind of know what's going to be happening you want to know what's going to be happening and yet you can't even imagine what it's going to be like so um on tuesday of this week august 1st i uh i was expected at the hospital at 7 a.m. and Bill took me over but the thing that is uh, I want to say that uh, I had talismans both physical talismans and mental talismans coming to me 
for uh, for a couple of days before, and um, one of our neighbors brought these beautiful sunflowers, uh, and uh, Bill is using it as the photo for the poetry break upon my request because they were so gorgeous, and particularly when they were in the sun, uh, the golden sun that was when the sun was setting. And I really saw it as more than just flowers. It was, it felt like a talisman. And then Kelly and Mary, um, Kelly Murphy and Mary Lentz. Lentz had had made this beautiful bookmark. I actually have to see what it, I have it on the altar right now. I have to go over and get it so I don't misquote. She's now moving across the room and moving. For those of you uh, keeping score at home, she's grabbed the talisman and <laughs> is bringing it back over to the chair area. The Bill and Diane show set. Uh, here we are. It said, Every hand that touches you is a healing hand, divinely guided. And they had done it in their own calligraphy with beautiful um, scroll, work, scroll work around it uh, because they're both very artistic. Beautiful wash of color. I think they wash their own paper. They do a watercolor yeah. wash on, on their paper before they do things. And uh, I carried this with me to the, to the surgery. And I believed it. I believed that every hand that touched me was going to be a healing hand. Yeah. Divinely guided. See, I told you I'd need the Kleenex. Yeah. I can't talk about this, folks, without getting emotional because it was a very emotional time. Um, so, uh... Made a lot of new friends. Well, first of all, I want to say, because I'm not done with my talismans, it was August 1st. August 1st was the day of a full moon. Not only a full moon, but a super moon. Not only a super moon, but one of the full moons that in August will make up the blue moon because there's going to be two full moons in August. And it was Lufnasa. So it was a, a powerful time. And I really saw that because... I did not choose this day of uh, surgery. It was chosen for me, and I had hoped to get in earlier, but they never could get me in earlier. And then I, after I learned about all these things, I thought, wow, well, maybe it was meant to be on the full moon and, and on this particular time. And then my brother had introduced me to the fact that Peter Gabriel was dropping a new song from his upcoming album on YouTube every full moon. And I hadn't thought about that that morning, but when I was looking at YouTube, just sort of waiting until we were going to be leaving, I saw the song and I was like, oh my gosh, that's right. It's a full moon. It's Peter Gabriel's new song. And I listened to it and it's it's going to be our song of the day, but uh, uh, it was so upbeat, and it was not exactly 
the the words uh, didn't match everything exactly, but but the point of the song is that thing that has always resonated in my mind, which is that life is always longing for life, and that it's always becoming life. You're you have no control over it. It's just happening around you. The things are happening, the cells are growing. And, and so just having that thought going in was a marvelous thing to think my cells can renew, my, my body can deal with this. And it was so buoyant and upbeat that it really made me feel... Um, like I was, had this protective mantle around me going in. Yeah. So all these talismans, you know, like my friend Nancy had, had uh, given me this moon angel um, that is uh, it, just an ornament that I have had right in front of us, right in the, the field of sight. And every evening as the sun was going down, it would hit that, that little moon angel and light it up in this golden way because it's got a lot of gold and and I just felt like all the thoughts and concern that were um, expressed to me, everybody telling me that they were behind me, it was like a physical force. <coughs> it just was, you know. You you always think about all these people who surround you and that they if they just tell you they're thinking about you you feel like you've got this army of, well I don't want to use army that's too militant a, a term but you know you just have a circle that is that you can fall back on you're being carried you're being carried so I went in with the best of feelings and that whole day was just a miracle from start to finish. It was not, uh, first of all, it was not as as traumatic as I thought it would be. I, uh, I had some pretty weird concepts about what might happen because the very first procedure that I had to have done was called a wire localization. And it's, they basically uh, put I mean, insert uh, real thin wires in into your breast to help the surgeon navigate to where the uh, the lesion is, and so I had been really dreading it because I couldn't even imagine uh, having this done. I mean, the very first thing I ever thought was, "Oh my God, it's going to be like like a shish kebab," you know. Um, but as it happened, the, the technicians that were in the room, they were first of all, so kind and so gentle with me. You sit on this, they had this thing where they, you would sit on this. It almost felt like a throne because it was, uh, raised. It's a, it was a raised seat. And they navigate you into a mammogram with, because they have to take a mammogram while they're doing this process so that they can see where this is. And, 
and the the nurses were both uh, so wonderful during the whole time and they just said now when this is going on don't look down whatever you do don't look down you don't want to see it you just want you know because it's not something you want to have in your head you know afterwards so um and that was a painful process because they had to even though they were giving lidocaine to uh to make that area numbed you still had the lidocaine needle going in and uh and they were doing all these things and it how long do you think that that was it was i want to say it was like an at least an hour maybe an hour and a half um that i was in there but the thing that was so remarkable is that the the technician when the when the two doctors were doing the procedure to do the localization she started gently massaging my wrist and then started tapping and just as a distraction and it worked marvelously well but at the same time I was looking her straight in the eyes and just thinking oh my gosh she's connecting with me you know I felt her I felt her um, support and care and so from that that moment uh once it was all done i she was the last one in the room and i said i will never forget you you know and she just smiled at me and she said i i find that it's a good distraction and i said but it's an affectionate distraction it it, it's something that uh it's a very human thing to do when you're in a very inhuman environment, you know, Um, because all these machines are so necessary. And yet I can imagine that if you didn't have that human element that you'd be having uh, (laughs) this feeling of just being almost a slab of meat going through the machinery, you know. But anyway, we had some time after that uh, to wait. What was it like waiting for me with the wire localization? Did you have any... Waiting is, you know, it's just waiting. Yeah. Not much going on. Drank too much coffee, (laughs) probably. Switched to tea, drank too much tea. And then we had about... uh, so my surgery was going to take place at 1, but then I realized they were going to have us in at 11.30, so we had a bit of a wait. I called Kat because I I just had to <laughs> talk to somebody about that process. She had gone through it. It's just, just such a weird process. And then, um, and then they accepted us into that area to get me prepped um and at that point there was just a a bevy of (laughs) they put this they put this inflatable blanket on you it was like the it was like the the stuff that amazon packages come in it's like a blanket of those little blow-up pillow sections but it was there was this kind of lukewarm air being blown into this 
blanket. So to the touch, it just felt a, a little warmer than body temperature. And that's what it was there for, was to keep you warm uh, during that period of time. And then the people started coming in, and it was like a, you know, and now the assistant to the anesthetist <laughs> comes in, and, the, you know, everybody, everybody's masked and everything, but the, a nicer group of people you wouldn't be able to find. There were nurses coming in and out and introducing themselves and telling you what they would be doing, and, and all these different personnel came in. The anesthetist came in. Uh, was that Dr. Dong? Yeah, Jack. Yeah. They kept calling him Jack. Jack. Um, uh, he was real nice, spent a lot of time with you. They'd sit down right up by your head and ask if you have any questions and stuff like that. And uh, Anyway, I should let you tell this part. No, no, It that's was great okay. for me to, to see these people that, that uh, were part of the team and how much time they took and how much care they took to ask you if you had any questions for them and you know but you didn't really have that many questions because I think you had pretty thoroughly researched this and been informed a number of times as to what was going to be happening when and stuff like that. Well and in actuality they always ask you before every procedure what do you think we're going to be doing because they want you to well, make sure you understand. Make sure you understand and every time they said you get a gold star you know because I did read all the materials that they had provided. So, um, but the experience was so, I mean, that's why I say it was transcendent because every person who came in was looking me directly in the eyes. They were all so kind and warm and, uh, and I was getting their names down. At one point, um, somebody said, did, somebody come and see you and I said oh was it Malcolm and she said oh you're you're learning the names uh there will be a quiz at the end (laughs) and she said oh that's pretty amazing that you remember but I really wanted to remember the names of all the people because there were so many people involved you know you never even think about because there was the the nurse who even took us from the waiting room to walk over to where I had to get, because it was quite a hike to yeah. get to the place where I was getting the wire localization, and she came back to get us, walk us back. There were the the two doctors, the two technicians at the wire localization. There were all the 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 anesthetic, uh, uh, the anesthesia team, which was the doctor. Uh, the the person who was going to be administering the anesthesia and her assistant there was uh the the resident that was working with dr perrin who is my surgeon of course dr perrin there were all the nurses that were helping out there was the recovery room with the nurses that were in the recovery room and i learned that there were two of them uh you know i only saw one but there was another one prior to that there were people it was just a team of people and when I was uh, going to be going in to the uh, into the operating room when because it certainly was entertaining I mean all these people were talking to us and we met a resident who was not going to be involved in my surgery but still wanted to make sure I understood everything and she worked with Dr. Perrin and 
wanted to make sure that I had no questions and she was lovely. Um, and then they uh, said, okay, we're going to give you the first anesthesia. It's going to feel like you just had a nice glass of wine. You know, it's going to make you feel kind of warm. And and then they started moving me into, uh, uh, moving the gurney towards the operating room. And as I was leaving that bay, every single nurse, whether, and most of them weren't involved with my case, as we were passing by them, every single nurse looked me in the eyes and said, good luck, good luck on your procedure. And we were moving pretty quickly because the gurneys go really fast. Um, I actually said something like, I, I didn't know I was going to get a ride with this. And the nurse who was uh, wheeling me laughed and she said, yeah, I actually, you know, these things get going and I have to trot behind it to keep up. And uh, we were going by a corner and there was another nurse and she looked me straight in the eyes and she saluted me and said, good luck, you know. And then I went into the operating room and um, saw a little bit of the operating room and then I was out. <laughs> and uh, when I came back to, to uh, consciousness, I was in recovery and there was a nurse there and um, I didn't feel any nausea because I have had uh, anesthesia before and had been nauseous. Um, but it just was such a... a connecting experience for me because I was thinking about all these people. They are doing this job because this is the work that they've chosen and it's for their own survival. And yet they can do that job either with human kindness or just doing it as a practicality. And we just were fortunate that everyone in this team was totally of the compassionate, human, wonderful people category. Mm. And uh, and the hospital itself, Northwest Hospital, is in this beautiful environment with trees and uh, totem pole right outside the door. Um, I was thinking how different it is than some of the hospitals I've gone to because uh, when my parents, for example, were in the hospital or or even the UW uh, hospital down by the university because they're very, there's not much greenery around those places. And for some reason it made me feel a lot more peaceful and, and calm to be at that hospital, which is a little smaller of a hospital in feeling anyway. Lovely waiting room when we were waiting. Uh, so, but anyway, uh, since that time, I've, uh, I have actually felt very little pain. Uh, they had prescribed opioids and I did not want to take those uh, 
And they gave you the choice of that or doing a Tylenol ibuprofen mix, which is what I chose to do. Um, but I haven't, I never, it would have been overkill to do anything mm-hmm. more than uh, the Tylenol yeah. and ibuprofen mix. But it's just been an experience because it's obviously a major surgery. They did a quadrid, I don't even know how do you pronounce that, quadridectomy, I, something like that. They actually did a partial mastectomy because uh, they took out a whole lobe rather than just a lump. They wanted to make sure that they excised the cancer entirely, which was, it was uh, a little (laughs) dismaying to see myself when I saw my, when I took off, when I was trying to take off the dressing. Because I am deformed now, and that's, but I even posted this morning that the first thought that I had after I saw myself, after the initial dismay was, there goes the fender, which was from Joseph Campbell, and I posted the entire quote because, uh, because, oh my gosh, Joseph Campbell, thank you, Joseph Campbell for having those words that could go through my mind. It's the perfect term. There goes the fender. So, um, but I have felt like this whole experience has been transcendent for me because of the connection I have felt to all my friends, everyone who loves me, the acknowledgement that uh, that these are parts of uh, of aging and on you know on your way to death. Uh, that's we always seem in our society not to want to talk about that. We only want to talk about kicking cancer's ass and stuff like that. But but really, these are I believe it's almost like gentle taps on your shoulder. Uh, saying to you you're aging remember your death remember your death don't you know don't take for granted the things that are going on in your life right now and and for my kind of mentality uh, that's exactly where I want to be so um, I just uh, I don't even know what else to say about it except that uh, the love and support of people is so important and they don't need to send flowers, they don't need to do anything, although I have to say that talisman from Kelly and Mary meant the world to me because there was something about having that that I thought, yes, every hand is going to be a healing hand, divinely inspired. As most of you who listen to the Bill and Diane show know. Well, it's both of you. Both of you know. <laughs> I uh, I always get emotional um, just from being touched, not from being sad. And this has been a very touching experience for me. I feel like I'm recovering well and uh, and 
there's I don't know what else to say about the experience. I know I've got a, a further journey ahead. Um, I don't know exactly what that journey is going to look like until Tuesday. I'm going to hear about it from my uh, follow-up visit with the surgeon. So uh, we will see. Yeah. Tuesday is the follow-up? Tuesday is the follow-up. Tuesday. Of course, Tuesday has always Tuesday. has to be there. Got to be Tuesday, <laughs> the day the time forgot. That's you know, it's one of those days. It's a magical day. Magic, magic, Diane, magic. So, I have a I I've wanted to have a couple of songs for this, um, for this show because. The, the song that Peter Gabriel dropped on August 1st will forever be, in my mind, my surgery song, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and because, you know, Peter Gabriel and his wife have been going through a lot of health issues. And he's, he hasn't put out an album in decade, a couple of decades, I guess, is what, they, uh, what I read. Nothing new that they've done some other releases, but he had not produced uh, anything new for a long time. And a lot of it was because of health issues that his wife had and that he had. And so I feel like there's a, a profound nature to the things that he's putting out right now. But I also wanted to include uh, Fireside by Jim Page and the reason why is because Jim actually called me and uh, talked to me and said something that will never leave me because Jim is somebody that Bill and I and a lot of our our friends have admired and looked up to for many decades now. And... Yeah. Uh, to have Jim Page call me and say that he loved me and he wasn't willing to say goodbye to me yet was really powerful to me. I just thought what a lovely what a lovely thing to say. I'm not willing to say goodbye to you yet. So of course my my thoughts resonated back to one of the first songs that I absolutely adored by Jim. And it seemed particularly uh, appropriate for this time uh, because the lines, the chorusing, all these songs, Tastes like sacred wine. I must taste must the ball sometimes. sometimes. I feel like this, these sorts of situations that we go through, the bad things or whatever you think is bad, <laughs> um, the good things, they're all things you want to taste. They're all experiences you want to have. And even if we as people think, I don't want that experience, we don't deepen 
unless we have all these experiences. And I feel like it's, uh, we have to taste them all. So I just thought because of my gratitude to Jim for, uh, for that phone call, <laughs> um, which, you know, when you hear from somebody who you've long admired, uh, it, it's a very powerful thing. And Jim's been a friend of ours for a long time too, but, but he still holds that, that, uh, aura of the person that I admire. And I was even telling him that, uh, he not only represents Jim Page, a man, he represents so many people, you know, he represents my brother and, and you and Cat and Chris Lund and all the Victory Music people and, and, uh, and he said, and the other side of the tracks and the antique sandwich. And I said, yeah, you know, it's just like all of our friends, they aren't just the people we see, you know, they're the, the people that represents so many things that surround them and uh it is once again uh, a knowledge in my mind of how we are so connected to each other and um i just find it to be uh one of the the wonderful mysteries of life that that exists that uh and another thing that we talked about that I thought was so wonderful and true was that that each friend represents a mirror that's being held up to you. Jim was saying, you know, people say I finally found myself, but you never find yourself. You only see the uh, yourself through the mirrors that your friends hold up to tell you who you are. And they all have a different view of you, yeah. you know. And I just thought that was intensely wise and true. And uh, I just so appreciated that. Anyway, that's my, that's my story. That's your story? And I'm sticking to it. There you go. Anything you have to say about this week? Uh, I, I was given a lesson in waiting. Um, I handled it. Well, I, you know, Pardon me, I'm gonna have another drink of coffee. Got a little, got a little difficult the last couple of hours because the surgery you didn't go long. Boy, was that's good coffee. Budgeted. We thought we were gonna be getting out of there at three thirty or four. We didn't get out of the hospital till six. Uh, didn't get home until seven. I had planned to do a little special poetry break update uh, at the regular time, you know, uh, because I thought we'd be home in time to do that, but we weren't. But I did it anyway. Uh, got to read one of your favorite poems and you know, tell everybody that that everything went good, and that you were we were home and that was a perfect poem to read. Well, that's your favorite Mary Oliver poem. Anyway, one of them. Yeah. I have a lot of. I know favorites. there are a lot of good Mary Oliver poems. And, uh, the other one is Blackwood. In Blackwater Wood. In Blackwater Wood, I always forget the name. That's a terrible thing for one of my favorite terrible. films. It's terrible. So, yeah, it's been kind of 
I don't know, I've been enjoying being in the back seat and being washed in the fairy dust that has surrounded you throughout this experience, so. I definitely felt like there was magic surrounding me yes. the entire time. Yes, you generated it. It's impossible to even say, uh, it's impossible to tell everyone about every single thing that happened um, that was magical and a gift, a blessing. I uh, sent you a poem to read for another Mary Oliver poem that I'd never read that one of our friends posted. Colette. Colette. I yeah. uh, had posted on our, just on our little group page, uh, the Westminster Basement page. And I thought, oh my God, this is such a perfect poem right now. I'm not going to give it away because... Don't do it! Because I'd rather everybody just heard the poem. But yeah, Mary Oliver is, has had a lot of wisdom to share for me during this time. Yeah. So. And we're good. You and me are good, right? Yeah. I'm good. Excellent.
shark pushing through the swaying weeds Predator and prey so out that I still do. I wrote this way back in 1967 when I was living in San Jose. I grew up down there. I went for a walk down by this creek. A bunch of oak trees, you know, and boulders and stuff. It's paved over, of course, now. So we don't have to worry about living things crawling out and invading the houses. You know? But it was there then, and I crawled down there, I climbed down there, and kind of sat a couple hours and then I went back home and I wrote this song and kind of started playing a chord pattern you know and kind of singing over on top of the chord pattern and I'd sing a verse and then I'd write it down 
And then I sang another verse and I wrote that down. And that's how the whole song was made. Put her feet beside me and the sun was going down She told me all those secrets, all those candles back in town Seven minutes elsewhere and it rained with all its might The sun had long since gone and yet it stayed up all at night She held her eyes both in her hands and gave them both Avalanche exploded and a slave somewhere broke free. Yes, all these songs taste like lilac wine. I must taste them all sometime. For a walk among the rain, among the snow The wind blew like a cistern and I had no place to go I saw a man was lying with his face into the wet His coat was torn, he whimpered, broken glass, a cigarette My eyes were filled with alleys as I helped him to his feet He thanked me with a smile and I walked off down the street Yes, all these songs Taste like Arabian wine I must taste them all Sometime spoke with innocence she drew her bolt aside stay here if you must I know exactly what you need she smiled like a fireside one hand upon the bell 
I asked her if she knew, and if she knew, how could she tell? She laughed and pointed with her Jesus to the sky. This is what you need, and what you need is when you die. She offered me some wine, I saw her hand white as bone. Told her I was lost and could she show me my way home? She laughed again, twinkled and her hood fell to the side. And I heard her say right here with me among the fireside. I excused myself and left her and I left her all alone. She with no relations and I with no way home. Yes, all these songs taste like sacred wine. I must taste them all some.